Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you in part by Growmark FS. For over 95 years, we've led the game. Power, we restored it. Protection, we reinvented it. Record yields, we redefined it. If there's one thing we know at FS, it's that just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. We're never satisfied unless we take your farming operation to the next level. Run your equipment at peak efficiency and bust the bins this season. Visit fssystem.com. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And thank you for joining us here today on Market Talk. Great to have you along for conversations about markets and what's happening in rural America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and coming up on today's program, we're going to have a great show for you as we race towards the Thanksgiving holiday. We're going to talk markets with Tyler Shaw from agmarket.net coming up here later on in the program. I'll also have a few market comments coming up later in the show from Mark Lucas at StoneX. And we'll take a look at news headlines, too, coming up here at the end of the program today. First up, though, we want to head back to last week's NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri, as I sat down and uh, talked with Caleb Quinlan, retail product agronomist with Bravant Seeds, and also Liz Knudsen, the U.S. soybeans marketing lead for Pioneer, about some of their new products that they are rolling out here at the end of this year. Let's listen back to those conversations first. Here's Liz Knudsen with Pioneer. We are here at Trade Talk in Kansas City, Missouri. Joining us now, Pioneer U.S. Soybeans marketing lead Liz Knudsen is with us. Liz, great to see you here at Trade Talk. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Good to see you. All right, let's talk uh, first 2023 harvest. I, I'd say we're at the finish line here now and getting things wrapped up mid-November. Let's talk about just what you've heard in terms of some of those harvest results. I heard a very a lot of variability. That seemed to be the favorite word out there. Is that kind of what you heard or something different? Absolutely, and it was definitely dependent on did you get the rain or did you not? And if you did, did it come when you needed it or not? I would say soybean farmers across the U.S. from results I've seen are generally neutral to positive. For Pioneer soybean growers, we're still enjoying a three-bushel yield advantage against all our competitors. So Pioneer A-Series soybeans had another standout year with a two-and-a-half bushel uh, acre bushel to the acre advantage against competitive E3 soybeans. So good results as long as you got the rain. Well, and you got those good results, and now farmers are kind of putting stuff away, and they're thinking about next year. It's, it's seed, seed buying season. It's decision time for a lot of folks. What are some considerations you would want farmers to think about in terms of soybeans and, and soybeans from Pioneer going into next year? Yeah, absolutely. This is the time of year where it never stops. We're on to the next thing. So when I think about 2024, I'm looking back at my 2022 soybean crop and thinking before this rotation, what challenges was I facing? So agronomically, was it a, a certain pest like soybean cyst nematode? If so, I'm considering varieties with either PI88788 
native trait resistance, or peaking. Pioneer offers more peaking varieties than any other brand on the market, so a great opportunity to talk to your local sales rep and hear more about what choices you could make there, as well as disease protection, right? Uh, was it white mold? Was it IDC? Regardless, you got to think through all those pieces back to 22 as we look ahead to 24. Well, and with white mold, SEN, with some of those peaking varieties, I mean, I, I know a lot of growers are dealing with that, and they're, they're asking questions and trying to see what tools they have in the toolbox to manage some of those uh, potential yield robbing and, and and you know taking away money as well with everything it's there's a lot that goes into some of those diseases that we're fighting and pests out there that we're fighting absolutely SCN is as you said the number one pest in soybeans across yeah. the US and yeah. um, it's the yield robber that you don't know you have a problem until the combine hits the field typically so if you knew you had a problem that's another one that going into 24 I'd think about let's do some testing of the soil to see sure. how high is that pressure and then further considerations going into the next year all right, I know as well, we were talking a little bit before we uh, started taping, recording here. Uh, you guys have been A-Series soybeans for a while now. You're launching a new line of soybeans, though, here during NAFB. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so we've been proud of A-Series performance. I, I would call it dominant across the marketplace with a lot of name recognition, so it's hard to step away from a good thing. But actually, our breeders have been really getting us excited about what's to come in this next advancement class. We're talking about several years of pent-up genetic gain. So we're actually going to be moving from A to Z. Uh, Pioneer brand Z-Series soybeans have been launched today, and we're looking forward to limited release in 24 with full-scale commercial volumes in 2025. Fantastic. Liz Knudsen with Pioneer. Thanks for joining us here at Trade Talk for a few minutes. We appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. We are here at Trade Talk in Kansas City, Missouri at the NAFB convention. Talking now with our friends at Bravat Seeds. Caleb Quinlan is with us. And Caleb, good to see you here at Trade Talk. Thanks for making some time to talk Bravat Seeds with us. I hope you're doing well. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, Jesse. Well, let's dive in and uh, thinking about 2024. Obviously, harvest is, is right at that finish line here. So a lot of growers, they're putting equipment away. They're starting to make those seed decisions and more for next year. Uh, What's top of mind for, for corn and soybeans for the Bravant brand as we head into next year? Yeah, I think what's top of mind, uh, my area in northeast Missouri had drought and other places in the country did as well. So I think top of mind is just finding consistent products to perform on the average year and then also those years that seem tougher on growers. So I think they're looking to diversify and, and luckily Bravant's bringing those products that are agronomically sound and, and consistent in their yield performance as well. I know some of those new products, uh, the Enlist System E3 soybeans, that's a big topic to talk about as well. Uh, give us some highlights of that from the Bravant side. Yeah, so the last two years we've had launches for Corteva proprietary E3 beans, and so we're continuing that. Uh, this year we're probably going to have a full launch of new Enlist beans uh, for the 2024 class. Uh, this past year, they gained about three bushel over our previous classes. So we're continuing to bring those proprietary Enlist E3 lines to the Brabant brand and exclusively to ag retail. On the corn side, I know Power Core Enlist, Vorsi, those are two new uh, pieces in the pipeline as well that I know Brabant's excited about. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we're excited to bring that new level of corn trait platforms to the American farmer. Uh, both of those are going to have increased protection and herbicide flexibility uh, to help farmers have multiple different options when they're combating some of those tough-to-control weeds or tough-to-combat insects as well. So the Vorseed is going to have above and below ground protection, and then the PowerCore Enlist is going to have above ground protection. And both of those are going to have four herbicide trait tolerances as well. 
And thinking about all these new products and looking at that protection, obviously, we got a lot of different diseases and pests we're fighting both in corn and in soybeans, you know, rootworm or soybean cyst. I mean, so bringing these new traits forward is going to help our growers manage some of those problems that we have in our fields, right? Absolutely. I think that the main thing that growers want is for us to make sure that they have the tools in their toolbox that they can combat some of these issues that they're facing on their farm. And sometimes in the case of tar spot, it might be the first time that they've seen it on their farm. So we continue to progress and bring new traits to to help them succeed, even though they're combating these issues. Well, Caleb, I know if growers have questions, they want to check out what's new in the Bravant lineup and have a conversation, they can contact your local retailer, go online, bravant.com. A lot of different ways to get in touch, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, we've had our our yield data on bravant.com and talk with your local ag retailer or local product agronomist for more info. Caleb Quinlan with Bravant Seeds. Thanks for joining us here at Trade Talk and uh, great to have a conversation. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. All right, once again, Caleb Quinlan there with Bravant. And before that, Liz Knudsen from Pioneer talked with them last week at the NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri. All right, coming up next, we are going to take a look at Tuesday's market trade action, have a conversation with Tyler Shaw from agmarket.net. He'll join us after the break here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, for the most part, as we wrapped up Tuesday's trade action, grains and oil seeds found some green on the screen. Wheat, soybeans, uh, a decent day overall. Corn a little higher. We look over at the uh, cattle and hog complex, though, trading a bit lower as we are pushing towards the Thanksgiving holiday. Let's talk about what's going on in the marketplace. Joining us now for analysis, Tyler Shaw with agmarket.net. Tyler, great to catch up with you again and uh, hope all is well. Uh, for you in uh, North Dakota, how's things going? Uh, things are going pretty good. You know, we, we caught some snow uh, three or four weeks ago, and and before that it was a little rainy, and it rained a little bit after that. And so it was pretty slow going for the last several weeks for farmers, ranchers. Uh, pens have been sloppy. Cornfields have been pretty mushy. Uh, mm-hmm. But we had a good week of drying there last week. A lot of farmers are back out there trying to get the last or the tail end of corn harvest wrapped up. And so hopefully we get a couple more weeks like this before winter really sets in. Yeah, that's a good point. I know corn harvest nationwide, we got about 7% remaining. So we're we're right there. We're right at the finish line in terms of putting a uh, bow on 2023 harvest. And that's a, that's a good thing as we're entering the holiday season. And we know, especially this week, I, I mentioned this a couple of times, Tyler, Thanksgiving always feels like a weird week to me in the trade because you got Thursday, markets are closed. You come back Friday with a uh, half day, uh, options expirations there. You and I were talking about that before we went live as well. I, I mean, there's a, it, it's, it's just kind of an interesting week that can lend itself to some volatility one way or another, can it, Tyler? Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those weeks where if there's no real news story, it's a really boring week. 
Um, you know, and like I said, we don't have any trade Thursday. We also don't have an overnight uh, Wednesday night or Thursday night. Um, so, you know, you take two nights out of the week, you take a day out. Uh, you have a lot of people to take the whole week off, um, whether that's, you know, guys sitting at a trading desk at a, a CTA or a money manager's uh, uh, office, uh, just some brokers taking some time off, some farmers taking some time off. So you really have a, a pretty lower volume trade for the most part. As a result, um, it's, it's just kind of feels blah at times. But then when some, you know, some news story comes in and sparks the market one way or the other, a lot of times you'll see it make really big volatile jumps. Uh, and I think, you know, you kind of alluded to soybeans, you know, overnight, the, the model runs on Brazilian weather or South American weather weren't exactly bullish. And we came in this morning, shot up about 20 cents right off the get-go uh, after the, the little mid-morning break, uh, and then just slowly gave it all back throughout the day. So that's just kind of reminiscent of what this week can do sometimes is uh, get, you know, when, when there's not a lot of volume, you can push the, the scales pretty quickly. And then, you know, if, if the, the news story or whatever sparked it doesn't have a lot of legs, it'll just kind of slowly give it back. Yeah. And I, I think it's a good reminder to not get caught up in the day to day moves, but have that broader, wider marketing plan. Because to your point, a lot of farmers, they're not focused on marketing. They're either wrapping up harvest or they're thinking about uh, Thanksgiving dinner, not necessarily watching to see if quarter beans rally 20 cents or 30 cents or whatever the case is. So Try not to get caught up in that day-to-day and just making sure that you have a sound marketing plan. I think uh, overall and in weeks like this is is an important thing to remember, isn't it? Yes, it is. And then, you know, speaking of a marketing plan and option expiration, that's, uh, you know, a lot of December options going to come off Friday. A lot of people have been using that December option uh, for corn protection or corn hedges uh, really for the last, you know, probably six to eight months. So, you know, you do want to be having a conversation with your broker about how you want to handle those, you know, if you do got some put coverage on or if you sold some grain and bought calls to, to try to retain some ownership on the upside on the board. You know, the, you, you've really only got t- tomorrow and Friday now to, to get moved around with those positions. So want to be checking your statements, want to be reaching out to your broker if you do have some of those December option positions on, figuring out how you want to manage that going forward. I'm not going to lie. Um, the conversation I've been having with customers is, I don't want to say it's not an easy one. It's just sometimes the market, you know, has got a a really well-determined direction that it's heading. Um, And this has just been a range-bound market really for the last three months. And it's tough to talk about customers, you know, know, rolling those puts out and paying another uh, 10 to 15 cents, Um, you know, but, but you've, you've got to determine where your risk is and, and, uh, you know, that's just one of those discussions that every operation is going to have a different answer for. Mm-hmm. That's a great point you bring up because I haven't looked at the open interest, but I know there's typically quite a bit of volume and open interest at these December options, to your point. And so I think it begs the question of, and it's kind of this this broader question I think a lot of folks have been having here and trying to answer the last couple of months is, okay, if we roll out some of these December puts and go to, say, March or something like that and and make some of these moves in the market, uh, 
it, will we be better off just selling it instead of storing it, you know, and, and things like that or, or whatever the case is. There's, to your point, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of different things that you need to take into account, especially in this corn market right now that's just been sluggish and really doesn't have a lot of upside, you know, potential feeling to it right now, Tyler. Yeah, you know, one of the things we've been trying to to really get out there to our customer base, and we'd encourage anyone to go take a look at it. Um, our partner is JSA, John Stewart and Associates, uh, very well known for their uh, commercial um, hedging program. They work with a lot of the commercials, ethanol producers, so on and so forth. And uh, there's some really sharp guys out there put together a lot of really good content and then do a very good job of visualizing that data. And last Friday, um, uh, Brian Burke and Kevin Clausen put out a video that I believe is, is free for anyone to go and watch. Uh, but it, it was taking a look at the, the commitment of traders and really, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the commitment of traders and the managed money crowd. Mm -hmm. um, what their focus was the commercial crowd. And, and the moral of that story is the commercial uh, position in the corn market anyhow Typically, you know, they will be short a lot of grain. You know, if they're buying grain from farmers, as soon as they take ownership, they're going to be shorting the board to, to cover their risk because uh, their job is to make money on the margin, right? And what we're seeing right now is very similar to late 2013, early 2014, when we come off of very high prices. The farmer for the previous two or three years was very willing sellers, right? Prices were good. They were making scale up sales into that market, but then all of a sudden the market started to fall and farmers kind of just quit selling. And you can really see that when you take that data and break it down on a month by month basis over the last 14 or 15 years, coming off of that high there in 2013 and going into 2014, the commercial position was, uh, you know, very, it, it was still net short but instead of being short a half a million contracts or several hundred thousand contracts, it was short 40 some thousand contracts. Um, we're in that same boat uh, right now in 2023 going into 2024. The short position by the commercial is much lower than what it typically would be in a market where farmers were willing sellers. And we've been saying this a long time, you know, the farmers have put the stuff in the bin and they've locked the doors. Uh, you know, they've had a couple pretty good years. They probably aren't real cash strapped and they, they really want this price to go back higher. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, it's, it's tricky here because one of the things we think will happen is you'll probably see in some areas, some basis push. We'll probably see basis improve as, as the commercials pry that grain out of the farmer's hands. Uh, but as soon as those bin doors open, you do not want to be the last farmer with a bin full of corn. I can promise you that. Um, so, you know, that's a discussion you need to be having. You need to be kind of coming up with a plan as to how you're going to attack this thing. Uh, I know, you know, farmers don't, uh, they don't like it when I say this, but 2.2 uh, billion bushel carryout on corn is, is not bullish and does not tell me we need $5 plus cash corn uh, going out for the next year. Well, once again, that is Tyler Shaw with agmarket.net joining us here today on Market Talk, and we'll continue our conversation coming up after the break. A few of the closing numbers from Tuesday, we see December corn finished up a half penny, 470. March corn up one and a half at 489. January soybeans 10 higher, 1377 at a quarter. March up nine and three quarters, 1393. 
December bean meal down a dollar a ton, 459.20. December bean oil up 108 points, 54.19. Chicago wheat December 11 and a half higher, 555. Kansas City wheat December up five and a quarter, 615 to three quarters. Spring wheat December 10 and a quarter higher, 717 and a half. December live cattle down 47 at 175. Feeder cattle for January down 152, 228.32. And December hogs down 217, 68.17. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk of the Way right after this. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are having a discussion today with Tyler Shaw from agmarket.net. Tyler, soybean market it has a little more of a bullish story to it, obviously, with South American weather and some of the concerns there and more. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is it... A, I'd have to think it's a different conversation than corn right now in terms of what you're doing with marketing in soybeans. What's your thoughts over on the soybean side? So, yeah, with, with corn, my the conversations I have with customers is I like playing the short side, you know, being a, an aggressive seller, managing the risk with some short-term call options. Um, the soybean side, I'm a little bit different. Uh, you know, we... It, for the most part, we were pretty aggressive selling, uh, you know, 2023 beans. We don't carry a lot of soybeans past uh, December, especially up here in North Dakota. Anyone who has been sold out of beans, we've been looking at some some March call, um, you know, call spread strategies to reown that beans just on that that uh, South American weather story. Or, you know, I've been going out and buying some January call options to kind of try to pick up some value if it does stay dry in South America. As far as new crop marketing, you know, we've been buying, doing some, some put spreads, selling some calls up above it, just trying to keep the premium low. But we've been going out and trying to protect some of these key levels, like 1240 against November 24 is kind of a key level for us. We've come down to that level a few times. We're afraid if uh, we violate that 1240 area, that could be pretty negative for the soybean market. So we're just going out trying to find some cheap strategies to put a decent floor under this thing. We're trying to leave a little bit of upside open, but uh, I mean, you're right. The, the soybean story is a little bit different. We don't have that huge U.S. domestic carryout in soybeans, um, but we've been arguing for quite a while that the, the 900 pound gorilla is Brazil. Um, mm -hmm. And if their weather does shape, shape up, uh, you know, we're not going to need uh, to have a huge crop on beans or have a big carryover because they'll just, they'll take the bite out of exports and, and we'll have to process our own beans here domestically, which, you know, that's the other good story is the, the crush capacity that's coming online over the next 12 months. So, yeah, yeah. A lot of things to think about there and uh, a little bit of a different story in beans and corn. Mm -hmm. You're in, you're in the middle of spring wheat country there, North Dakota. Uh, any thoughts in this wheat market in general? I know wheat's just been a bear. It's been, 
tough here, especially on the world stage with all the cheap Russian wheat and more. But any marketing thoughts for wheat here as we're working into the holiday season? You know, typically this is the time I would be looking for a rally, especially in spring wheat. You usually see a, a rally here in, in uh, you know, November into early December. We have seen basis improve and we had a, a big crop in spring wheat here in North Dakota. And, and it kind of caught a lot of people off guard because all summer uh, from farmers, agronomists, you name it. Everyone was telling us how terrible this wheat crop was in the state of North Dakota, with the exception of a few pockets kind of down where I am and in southwest North Dakota. And then all of a sudden, the crop started coming off in August, and it was not just uh, above expected or better than it. It was above average in a lot of places and way above average in some places. And so there was just this huge wheat crop that ended up coming up off the field. Um, it, it tanked basis out here, uh, you know, and, and then the the a lot whenever you have big yields in spring wheat you tend to have low protein so not mm -hmm. only was the basis poor there was a lot of protein discounts for that very average protein wheat they were producing farmer wasn't real pleased with the cash price that basis has started to improve here over the last month or so um makes it feel like there's some business being done we're you know and, and if you track the exports we're shipping some some spring wheat out i think the other story there was just there was a massive uh winter wheat crop in the, the you know in, in indiana and illinois uh big yields over there as well and and so that's uh, we're struggling i don't see a you know a, uh, again i'm the bearer of bad news i don't see a huge market rally around the corner i would you know like to see a 740 was about as high as we could get there on december uh spring wheat uh, a few weeks ago i would like to see it get a little bit higher than that but you know it's one of those where I might be lowering my March targets, uh, you know, getting a, a little more aggressive, getting some sales here over the next month. Cause there's, there's just not a lot of, of powder in that keg to, to blow this thing higher. Like people are wanting. Let's shift over to livestock. Let's talk cattle, uh, cattle and hogs had a down day on the futures on Tuesday. You know, this cattle market, we had, of course, the October cattle on feed that was bearish. The November report last Friday, I'd say was neutral to, maybe even slightly friendly. Uh, what's your thoughts now with uh, these last two cattle on feed reports behind us nearing the end of the year? I mean, do we feel like this cattle market could get range bound on us here and stay that way? Or do we have some upside potential? Or what, what's your thoughts in cattle overall here, Tyler? You know, it, it feels like we kind of gave some of the leverage back to the packer here. You know, the, the, the feeder had a lot of leverage um, and was able to pass on on bids uh, really for the last several months and force the the packers hand and they you know you heard a lot of cash business being done in the 180 185 upper 180 levels in the northern plains um, for whatever reason that's cracked the packer seems to have the leverage again and they can come in and kind of lowball them and these feeders are they're going ahead and and, and letting them go which tells you um, they've got the cattle to sell and they want to get them gone. You know, that's usually the first thing that pops in my head when they're willing, uh, you know, sellers at, at lower bids than what they were hoping for. It probably means that they do have some cattle there and, and those placement data or the cattle on feed reports have been showing us that. So, um, you know, I, I, I still think the fundamentals of the cattle market stay strong. You know, one of the things I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time talking with, uh, uh, cow calf producers and backgrounders so i spent a lot of time focused on the feeder calf market 
one major difference between the, the 2014 going into the 2015 year was last time we saw cattle go up to, to record highs and then the big sell off the year following. One big difference is this time uh, back in 2014, your back month feeder contracts had no premium in them. So they were actually trading, you know, lower than where the, the front month. So, you know, January was trading like 233 and the November 24 was down at 230. Um, this go around, we've still got a 23, 24, $25 carry in that market. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's the market knowing that we have not rectified, you know, we, we've not held heifers back yet. We're not rebuilding that cow herd. So, Market knows we're going to stay tight into the next year, um, but you know from the hedger standpoint, if we want to wear that hat, uh, you know don't don't lose sight of the fact that you can you know use uh, puts, futures, or LRP to lock in 250 to 255 uh, feeder cattle and in September, October, November of last year or of next year, and last year we were barely able to lock in 200 dollars. So I know there's a lot of negativity out there. We've seen a $30 uh, drop in the market, but don't lose sight of the fact that we're $50 higher than we were a year ago. Yeah, no, I, I think that is a, an excellent point, uh, an excellent point. Uh, don't don't lose sight of uh, where we are at currently compared to last year. Hogs, uh, I look at a hog chart. It doesn't look too great. Hasn't looked too great for quite some time now. Um you know, hogs down uh, on the board again on Tuesday. Um, I, I think this hog market's maybe in kind of a similar situation as cattle, just at lower prices. We're just, we're kind of searching for our support level and trying to figure out what exactly it is right here, Tyler. Yeah, I, I think the hog market could be explosive. I just don't know which way it, it will be explosive <laughs> too. You look at it like a Feb chart, it does look like maybe we're, uh, you know, we could be putting in a head and shoulders bottom on that chart, um, which, you know, that would be fairly friendly to hogs. Uh, you know, there's some some negative news out there. The the China hog herd or, or, or sow herd has gotten much larger. It's larger than what the country really wants. Um, you've seen some negative economic news out of China, which doesn't bode well for exports of, of pork. Uh, so, you know, there's that story, which isn't necessarily positive. The one thing I would say is um, as far as futures to cash, um, we usually carry a little bit bigger uh, premium this time of the year than we are right now. So that could be mm -hmm. somewhat bullish to, to hogs as well. You know, so it's one of those if, if, you know, if you're looking for a spec play or something like that, you know, you, you might take a position using some type of an option on some hogs. And if you're a producer, probably a good spot to, to lay into some puts just in case we do go lower. I, there's a cold storage report coming out. I can't remember if it's uh, tomorrow or the following Wednesday, uh, right off the top of my head. I do think that's probably going to be a pretty big driver in the hog market. Good thoughts. I uh, really appreciate the conversation. And Tyler, I know folks want to look at all the great intel you guys have at agmarket.net or reach out with a phone call or more. They can find all that information uh, online on your website, can't they? Yeah, check us out, agmarket.net. And, uh, you know, I, I, as a plug, reach out to one of the brokers on there. Uh, if you're interested in checking out that video JSA put out, it's well worth the 20 minutes to take a listen to. Definitely. Agmarket.net with that, Tyler Shaw. Thanks for joining us. Have a happy Thanksgiving, my friend. And we will talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. You too. Take care, Jesse.
Good stuff there once again with Tyler Shaw from agmarket.net. If you were the closest once again from Tuesday's trade, December corn up a half penny at 470. March corn was up one and a half at 489. January beans up 10, 1377 at a quarter. March up nine and three quarters at 1393. Bean meal down slightly. Bean oil up a little over 100 points here across the board. December Chicago wheat up 11 and a half, 555. KC wheat December at five and a quarter, six fifteen to three quarters. Spring wheat December ten and a quarter higher, seven seventeen and a half. Live cattle December down forty seven one seventy five. February down fifty seven one seventy six oh seven. January feeder cattle down one fifty two two twenty eight thirty two. And hogs December down two seventeen sixty eight seventeen. February hogs down two seventy two at seventy two thirty two on the day Tuesday. We'll be back to wrap up market talk on the way right after the break. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks for sticking with us here today. Great thoughts and conversation with Tyler Shaw from agmarket.net. Uh, always appreciate catching up with him. Uh, markets on Tuesday. Uh, soybeans well off their highs. Wheat trade up moderately. Corn just kind of quiet and churning around again. So it's always an interesting week with Thanksgiving with uh, the holiday on Thursday and then a half day Friday. A lot of traders leave town on Wednesday. Uh, the volume can be kind of low in these markets. So some things to remember may not be a complete indicator of what's going on in the trade, but it also can be. It's just a it's a weird week. It's a volatile week in the market trade. We do appreciate Tyler, though, and his thoughts and perspective on what's going on. We also got some thoughts and perspective from our midday commentary with Mark Lucas from StoneX. He's uh, sitting in for Arlen Suderman today. Want to share Mark's thoughts as we talked a little more about that soybean trade action on Tuesday. He also uh, brought up some of the uh, housing numbers that came out on Tuesday morning and the impact that could have on the broader e economy here. So let's listen into that midday commentary. Here is Mark Lucas from Stonex starting with the soybean and grain trade on Tuesday. Yeah, you know, beans have certainly been the leader in the grains complex here. Um you know, with the weather in South America, in Brazil particularly, uh, you know, hot in part of the country and dry in in the, the you know hot and dry in the north, and I'm sorry, rains in the south, and so they're probably about 13% behind the pace that they'd like to be at as far as planting right now. So, uh, talking with some of our folks down in uh, in Brazil, they're saying this is the the worst start to the growing season that they've seen in many years. So certainly that's you know kind of in the forefront of things. Um, also out of South America, I think the Argentina presidential election is having a little bit of a, a little bit of influence on things. A new president talking about uh, the dollarization of the economy. Uh, reading into that a little bit, farmers are thinking that this would be quite bullish for agriculture, bullish for commodity prices there. And so it kind of puts them in the, you know what? I'm not going to sell anything for a while here. I'm going to hold off and see what uh, see what actually happens here and thinking that might play in their favor. So that's a little bit of a support to the to the bean market here as well. Well, I know too, just overall in general in this uh, commodity trade here, 
this is always a, a peculiar week for Thanksgiving, just with Thursday being off and then Friday a shortened session. And I would have to think that some of the low volume here, although we're not necessarily seeing a lot of volatility on Tuesday, it's not out of the question here. With with low volume trade, we could see some volatility here the rest of this week. Correct. You know, and I think really that played a little bit into yesterday's big move in, in soybeans was just that there wasn't a lot of volume there. So when we started to rally, uh, you know, we took out some stops and that kind of thing. And, you know, it's certainly, you know, people think, oh, it's going to be dull and boring here later this week because we've got a holiday shortened week and a short market on Friday. And But you're right. You, if you start to move it, it can move uh, move quite a ways because there's just not a lot of volume to contain it. Outside markets uh, looking fairly quiet in the stocks and the energies here today. I know you mentioned it before we went on the air, though, uh, some housing numbers kind of interesting and having an impact on interest rates here today. Can you talk about that? Yeah, the uh, existing home sales uh, numbers came out this morning for the month of October. And this is the fifth month in a row that we've seen those existing home sales drop. Um, also, the value of the homes uh, going down. So um, I think this is the largest drop we've seen since back probably August of 2010 of about uh, – something like 3.89 million, something like that in terms of sales. So what that does is just kind of tell us that, okay, the economy slowing down. These higher rates are, are slowing down the purchasing and, and that type of thing. Uh, people with lower rates locked in aren't as eager to jump out and make a move and uh, take a new home with, uh, with higher rates. So, you know, I think that's got uh, plays into the whole thing that Powell's doing has done the right thing. And we're starting to see the economy slow up. It's just kind of a confirmation of, of what we've seen. And once again, Mark Lucas there with Stonex sitting in for Arlen Suderman on the day Tuesday. Uh, great thoughts from him as we uh, watch what is happening in this market trade here moving through the holiday week. I want to take a look at uh, one news note as well. Last week at the uh, NAFB convention, we caught up with Dr. Jim Mintert with Purdue University, and he heads up the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer which was started back in 2015. It's a monthly survey of 400 different farmers every month. And uh, Dr. Mintert says the most recent survey showed a slight improvement in producer sentiment. The most recent survey, which we did in mid-October, actually suggested there was a modest improvement, really a very small improvement in farmer sentiment. If you look at it from kind of a longer-term view, farmer sentiment right now is quite a bit lower than it was in late 2020, early 2021, and down somewhat compared to a year ago. And that's true whether you look at the, the broader index, which is the ag economy barometer itself, or the sub-indices, the current condition index, or the future expectation index. And he talks about producers chief concerns there's some concern out there we ask producers every month in 2023 what their biggest concern is for the upcoming year and their biggest concern month after month continues to be high input prices this month roughly twice as many people chose high input prices as their top concern as chose lower crop and livestock prices and he says the concerns may stem from COVID-19 impacts that haven't gone away just yet and I think that speaks to the idea that we have not really recovered from what took place with respect to the pandemic and some of the related trade disruptions that we had and the impact that's had on the farm economy. And that's left people in a state where even though farm incomes these last two years have been great, they're still kind of anxious. They're worried longer term about a cost price squeeze. 
And once again, that's Dr. James Mintert from Purdue University. He helps head up the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer each and every month. Great thoughts from him during last week's NAFB convention in Kansas City. All right, we're out of time here on Market Talk today. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we'll sit down with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday and see how the trade is working through the holiday shortened week. Look forward to that conversation and more coming up tomorrow on Market Talk. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to Market Talk. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.